Hey guys, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. We've got a great episode for you today with a good friend of mine named Aaron Smith. Aaron has spent over 20 years serving his community as a police officer. He talks through the challenges that he's had to face and overcome throughout the course of his career. And he also talks about the process of rewiring his thoughts in order to come back to a good place in terms of emotional health and resiliency. Yeah, you guys don't want to miss this one. Tons of stories. Aaron's an open book. Thank you for sharing with us, Aaron. Hope you guys enjoy it. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Natural Rapport. Natural Rapport makes the premier uncomplicated pet essentials Um, Everything that they make, all the products that they make to care for our pets, for your pet, are uh, gentle, safe, and effective. They use ingredients that are as close to nature as possible. Most of their dog treats, which is what we use here at our house, we really care about our animals, are single ingredient. They are all made, all their products are made in the USA, um, which is awesome. We love that. And... Yeah, they're safe. The the dogs love them. Natural Rapport is a wonderful company owned by awesome people. And we support them and we thank them for supporting the 307 podcast now for quite a while. So if you have animals, if you love your animals, and you're looking for a full lineup of pet essentials, including single-ingredient treats, all-natural chews, and grooming products, go check out Natural Rapport on Instagram at Natural Rapport or online at www.nattyrap.com. If you get some for your pets, use the pro code 3of7project for 10% off your purchase. I'll attach that in the show notes of this episode. Our other sponsor for today, again, longtime sponsor, is Salty Britches. Look, guys, Salty Britches is the anti-chafing cream that I use on all my ultras, uh, whether I'm out running, whether I'm on the basic course as an instructor, anytime I'm out in the wilderness generating sweat and getting nasty and salty and all that stuff. I use Salty Britches to keep me from chafing, all right? So, if you run, if you swim, if you hike, if you're outside moving, get you some Salty Britches. It's going to keep you comfortable in all environments. Yeah, I got enough chafing in SEAL training. I'll pass on the chafing now. So, I'm thankful for Salty Britches. Hey, if you're interested in it, Follow them on Instagram at Get Salty Britches or order yours at GetSaltyBritches.com. Use the pro code 3 of 7 for 20% off your entire purchase from Salty Britches. I know Amy, the owner of Salty Britches, personally. I've met her face to face. She believes and is, is passionate about her product. Um, and that's why it's so good. So. Amy, thank you. Salty Bridges, thank you for supporting the 307 podcast. All right, guys, that's enough housekeeping. 
Here's Aaron. Hope you enjoy it. Love you guys. Welcome to the 307 Podcast, brother. Thank you so kindly. I really appreciate it. I'll tell you what, man. We're honored to have you on. Um, I've been reading through your bio for about the last half hour or so and did some powerful stuff that yeah. uh, that needs to be heard uh, yeah. without a doubt, man. I love your mission. For sure. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was a hard mission to come through, but uh, like you said there, I was amazed at on the other side of this how few of us, not just police officers, but first responders are just that first step is the biggest and they're just, it's hard. It's hard to break through and you probably know, just like the military, um, that wall is there. Yeah, it really is, brother. And you know, something you mentioned in your bio, and I'm sure we'll get around to this, is uh, we see this in the military too, man, is, you know, that not wanting to reach out for any help for fear of peer pressure, what your how your right. team's going to react, or, or losing your job. And, I mean, you saw that. I mean, we saw that in the teams all the time, man. It's like, you know, you go – you go and seek help for some issues that you're having at home, in your own head, whatever it may be. And it's like, man, they, they red flag you. They take you off the line, man. And and, and sure. I agree, agree. You have to be taken off, off the line for, for a short period of time, but there doesn't, there, there doesn't need to be any judgment there. That's for dang sure, man. Cause right. you gotta, you gotta take that time for yourself to, to get fixed and get back online. And, and it can be fixed. It's just like, um, you shouldn't have to worry about losing your job or, or what your right. buddies are going to think, man. That's for sure. I had to go through yeah. that process in my own career, dude. You know, when, yeah. man, when I got back home from deployment in 2012, it's like my family was falling apart, dude, because of mm -hmm. neglect. And um, that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do was go to my command master chief and be like, hey, man, I got to come offline for a little bit and get my mess back in order. Dude, right. that's, a hard, that's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. So I really resonated with that part. We'll dig into all that, Aaron. Okay. Um, I just, I, man, I want to hear your story, brother. I want to hear that, that, like you said, it's been a long journey to get to where you are now. This yeah. is your podcast, brother. I want to hear your story, man. I appreciate it. Um, so coming through, uh, even in high school, I had, uh, had known that I wanted to go into law enforcement. I uh, did some ride-alongs with the police department, and I think a lot of that finding out in this journey is that I never had a, a biological father was missing in my life, a lot of family dynamic. And when I started doing ride-alongs with the police department, I'm like, man, these guys are brothers. These guys are family. So that really resonated with me. On top of, you know, Cops was a brand new television show at that time. So there's that adrenaline rush. And so all those factors combined, I'm like, this is absolutely what, what I want to do. Um, so prior to that, I had gone into the Marine Corps, um, again, looking for that brotherhood, for that sense of stability and family and, and things like that. So coming out of the military, going right into an, a police academy, um, I got hired by Battle Creek, which is where I'm at now, a pretty decent sized department, has all the crime you can think of. We are smack in the middle of between Detroit and Chicago, mm. right off the freeway. So um, when I got hired at Battle Creek, man, I formed a, a niche and a group of brothers and sisters and became a very active uh, road officer, loved every minute of it. 
every special assignment that I could find. You know, I became uh, part of the SWAT team as soon as I could, uh, honor guard, firearms instructor, driving instructor, ground combatives instructor. It was more, the more I got, it was the more validation that I got and more adrenaline, yep. you know, all these special assignments. So my job slowly became the identity. Mm. It was, and then when you become a police officer, all the things that they teach you to become a good police officer, control, don't trust people, watch your back, that does not transfer very well into your personal relationships. Yep. So as your family and civilian friends begin to kind of take a back seat, the ones that accept you are your own, your own law enforcement officers, because they're just like you. So that's where a lot of the trouble really begins. Um, so I had the SWAT team. Um, I got uh, accepted onto the sniper unit, became an FBI trained sniper. I mean, I was just eating it up, eating it up. So that went on for several years. Um, Let, let's, talk, 10, let's talk about yeah. that identity real quick while you're, while you're on that, man, because that's a really, really important topic is, right. is I, you know, you, you putting all your identity into a career, right? Mm -hmm. And that career, it's not going to be with you your whole life. <laughs> like right. whether you're, right. whether you're a law enforcement officer, a first, you know, any type of first responder, a, a military dude, a SEAL, whatever it is, I've seen that, bro so much i've seen so many guys get destroyed by that their entire yeah. identity is wrapped around um that job that they're doing and then when that job goes away it's it's crushing bro it's freaking crushing think about the things that are going to be in your life for the rest of your life like your wife your children your family yeah. all those things and uh and yeah try to shift and identify with those things a little more and absolutely i just had to hit that man because that is such a powerful thing for yeah. for your brothers my brothers everybody to be conscious of in their own lives right. what are you identifying as uh, as a yeah. human being and i and i think one of the main reasons is because when you get into this job you're young we have a 25 year 25 we call it 25 and out 25 years and you can retire when you're 22 23 you don't know what 25 years looks like, mm -hmm. right? So guys and gals never look into what else is out there. What else can I do? And what ends up happening is they retire from law enforcement. Then they got to get a job as a security officer or a police officer after they retire because they've never put their eggs anywhere else. Yeah. So that identity is so strong. Absolutely. It is, brother. It is. Yeah. I, I just yeah. I had to hit that real quick because yeah, that's a absolutely. powerful point, man. That's a big point. That's yeah. a big point because it becomes us. And then just like the military, you're out there in the streets with these guys and girls every day. Those bonds develop. Um, probably I would say we call it the honeymoon phase. You know, those first couple of years, you're just out running and gunning, establishing that new identity, creating friendships. You're arresting bad guys, you're getting guns off the streets you're still being exposed to all of this trauma. You're going to dead baby calls. You're going to horrific accidents, all that stuff. But you're so into your job, you're not seeing what that's doing to you. Yeah. About year five or six, you see a lot of law enforcement officers and any first responder really start to question the system. What's going on here? I've arrested this guy 17 times. Why isn't he in prison? You know, so really your belief system and your values start breaking down. 
your belief in the system and what you're doing. And then I, I think that's the important part. That's the important time to really start catching this in, mm-hmm. in officers and first responders, because that's when it can kind of be shifted. Yeah. Um, if you don't, you just go on that career, man, and you're bitter. That's when uh, alcohol takes effect. That's when affairs start happening. And, you know, we really don't talk about this, but cops and the um, substance abuse now is through the roof. The suicide rate is out of control. Yep. And that's what we see as a result of not catching those problems and not, not fixing it. So it's same in the teams, man. Yeah. Same sure. in the team. So, and it seems like, uh, you know, you, as you were going through your story and I, I would definitely want to get back on that. You didn't catch it at that four or five year no. mark. Cause you said no. the last words you said were for about 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I continued on, um, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I have a, my saving grace is I have a very supporting wife who stuck with me through all of this. And when I had started this process of getting hit fixed in the healing process, I sat down with my wife and I said, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. We need to have a very candid conversation about when did you see me change? How did you handle that? Why didn't you really come out and tell me? And she says, you know, about, about year four or five, I really noticed your anger started kicking in and, you know, the way that I would interact with my own children um, at home and things like that. So it's there. You just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. You, you know, had my wife said something to me at that time, like, uh, that's just the way it is. Right? Yeah. That's just the way the world is. So um, about year 10, I was, uh, I got into the, we have a gang suppression unit here in town. So I got on that for about a year, um, had a really good time. That's a unit within a unit. We don't take barking dog calls. We don't take, you know, the kids are playing basketball in the street calls. We're out there going after the worst of the worst. Um, really enjoyed that. And then I got, uh, I took the promotional process for the detective bureau. So I got into investigations and that's when everything really started to catch up to me. Um, I'm now dealing with child pornography cases. I'm dealing with abused children. I'm dealing with homicides. You know, all those things you can think of is now I'm intimately involved with the case itself and it's personal to me and the survivors' families. And I'm just like, the sense of justice has to be there. just after my 18 year anniversary, I had uh, just got done dealing with uh, a homicide of a four month old baby. And um, so I kind of had that on my plate and that was some, some background stuff. Um, I had gone on another call, which was uh, a little four year old girl had passed away and it was expected. She had some really bad medical problems and things like that. But I, I really remember Now you're talking 18 years of all this other stuff built up, built up, built up. I'd gone to this call and uh, this four-year-old little girl was laying dead on the floor and her mom was over her body, just inconsolable, weeping and weeping and weeping. So we did everything that we needed to do. We cleared the scene. And I remember for the next couple of days, that was the only thing I could think about. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, all I could picture, I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, why now? I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of dead children, uh, accidents and what have you. So the next couple of days, um, I literally came into work and I sat at my desk and did nothing. I stared at the blank screen on the computer. I couldn't talk to anybody. Um, 
I couldn't call anybody. You know, I had cases to work on and I, I just sat there. Um, and then that's when I got a call from our prosecutor's office that said, hey, we're getting ready to go to trial on this homicide of this four-year-old baby. I need you to go through autopsy photos and, and get ready for the trial. And I think that was kind of the tipping point. Mm -hmm. um, the next day I walked into a buddy's office. He was a union rep. He was our union rep at the time. I walked in there and I said, Hey, I got to talk to you. And he said, well, what did you do? <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't, I'm not in trouble. I said, dude, I'm, I'm out of here. I said, I quit. And he was kind of like shocked, right? Like you, you know, yeah. um, I said, I can't take it anymore. I'm, I'm angry. I'm depressed. I'm burned out. I can't do it. And I was that very day was ready to walk out of the door. He saved my skin in essence, because he said, just hold on, you know, we need you to do some paperwork. We can put you on what we call sick and accident. You can get like 50% of your paycheck. Just do this for me. Don't just walk out of here. Um, I was absolutely ready to walk out. So I had to get some paperwork. I went to my doctor's office um, and I'm like, called my wife. My wife had no idea what was going on. I called her up and I said, Hey honey, I need you to go to the doctor's office with me to fill out some paperwork. Um, I said, I'm leaving work. So she went with me and, uh, I'll never forget when I go to my doctor's office, I walk in and it was, uh, I had to see a nurse practitioner that I'd never seen before. And she says, well, what brings you in today? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, Do you I need really you to fill know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, more pride and embarrassment than anything, right? Yeah. I'm the street cop, the SWAT guy, all these things that I have built up. And I, I, I said, I'm leaving work, but I need you to fill this out. I'm going through some mental stuff. And uh, she immediately put me at ease. And she said, you know, I was an emergency room nurse for 18 years. I know what you see and I know what you've been through. Wow. And um, yeah, she said, uh, I will fill this out. Go home and take care of yourself. And just that alone began lifting this, this stuff off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife and I walked out of the doctor's office and I says, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like I, as far as at that point in my healing process and my journey, I was done with police work. You know, if I had to mop floors at McDonald's or a gas station, so be it but I was absolutely done with it. Um, so the way I ended up leaving work was I took this paperwork over to um, our city officials and our administrators. And I had come back into the detective bureau and walked into my cubicle with some boxes and started putting all my personal belongings in a box. And I'd have some detectives walking by like, bro, what are you doing? What's going on? I'm like, I'm done. And those guys and gals kind of knew where I was at. Nobody else in the department knew. Um, I got in my car that day and drove home. I didn't tell the chief of police. I didn't tell, uh, and I knew him very well. I didn't tell any of his administrators. I just, I had to get out of there. Yeah. There was guys at work that were like, man, what happened to Smith? You know, and uh, it, that was that was how I left the department. I could not take it anymore. Yeah. So that's like phase one of, yeah, yeah. So you of how you, this thing started. So you had that that was a true that was like a hard stop for you, man. It sounds like like no, yeah. no, no there wasn't even a choice in the matter. And I'm so glad you made that decision and you know, 
having the courage to make that decision and having the ability um, to make that decision probably saved your life. Uh, oh, I know it did. Yeah, I absolutely. A hundred percent, man. Absolutely. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of courage. And uh, I'm so thankful to hear that story. And um, I, I hope it encourages everybody listening to this, especially law enforcement officers that are going through what they're going through right now, man. Is mm-hmm. and, and there's got the job has to be done. Like it, yeah. ha, it simply the job has to be done. Um, there and and it's unbelievable what you guys endure, the endurance that you have. Not only the endurance, but the the one thing that really blows me away is how you guys do it day in and day out and how you how you ward off complacency it's like just unbelievable man people people uh, i got i get i get former cops and cops thank me for my service all the time and i'm like no brother thank you for your <laughs> service man you're out here you're on deployment every day you're getting deployed yeah. every day man yeah. so uh awesome awesome brother so i you hit that you hit that wall that's it no question about it you have the courage to make that decision you that and, and you talked us through how you left what where do you go from there man because you're you're back you're at home mm-hmm. you're you're you know what what happens like what's the process yeah so my process was i had uh when i walked out both of my boys were still in school during the day and my wife was at work so i had the whole house to myself uh, which was a good thing and or could have been a bad thing. Yeah. So the first couple of weeks was almost just kind of like a whole, like getting this off, just taking a break, a mind dump, like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, one minute I'd be thinking, I can't believe I just did this. I walked away from not only my career, but a pension uh, as the breadwinner, my health insurance. Um, so I kind of felt sorry for myself for a couple of weeks, not knowing what to do. And then after a couple of weeks, I says, okay, I, I have to fix this. Um, and prior to that, I will tell you that I had gotten a call from our department and, uh, I'll leave out names, but essentially what had happened prior to me making that final decision of like, okay, I'm going to do something about this. Um, they came over to my house and took my identification, my badge and my service weapon away from me. That's tough, ain't it? And that was the straw. And I was so angry at that point. Uh, there were days when um, I, I, I grabbed my own handgun and I'm like, okay, I'll show you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty proficient with weapons and know how, how they work. And I'll never forget a couple of times just looking down the barrel of my own Smith and Wesson, looking at that hollow point round in the chamber and a million things go through your mind. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen many suicides. I've seen what happens. I've seen the aftermath. Yeah. And then I'd catch myself and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm putting this down. I'm fixing this. And that, that Holy kind smokes, of man. became my turning point. You know, and also being a believer in Christ, um, there was definitely that, uh, that grace that was there. But, um, and I, I just recently kind of opened up to, people about that specific story mm-hmm. of the suicidal iterations and things like that. Yeah. Um, so after that, um, I really knew that I needed to change the way that I was thinking. It's, it's the thought process. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, we always read these mindset, this mindset, that, but yep. 
being a fixer and a type A personality, I'm like, how does this work? What is the whole what's thing? The, yeah, what's the, what are the practical steps? Like, how do I get started on this yeah. journey? Exactly. Yeah. And being, especially being a, a detective for the last several years, like you have to dig into the basement on everything to find the answers. So I, I simply went to Google and started Googling how to change your thoughts, how to change your mindset and started seeing books. Um, one in particular was, uh, his name is Joe Dispenza. And um, I got this book and it's like breaking the habit of being yourself. I thought that's a good catchy title. As I started reading, and I, I grabbed every resource I could at that point, because that's what started clicking for me, mm -hmm. was the way that the mind works, you know, with neuroplasticity, with the latest scientific research, um, how we can literally rewire our brains and the process that that takes. And that was, of all the things that I did, that was the kind of bread and butter of, of the whole healing process. So as I was learning how the mind works and how we can literally rewire it both. I mean, like when I tell people literally when you're taking all this scientific stuff and we dumb it down for cops, it's hard to explain in, in layman's terms, but you're creating new neural pathways and new circuits. 100%, um, yep. Yep. We walk around in unconscious 95% of our day is done without even thinking about it. Yep. Um, so that, that right there, that neuroplasticity and rewiring the brain was huge. Um, so I just kept trying to form new habits, new habits, new thinking, new talking. What am I grateful for? I began journaling. As many of the five senses that I could use to start rewiring, start that rewiring process, uh, that's what I did. Um, also started, uh, I got into counseling. I found a counselor. Uh, so I started that process. Um, I did like some yoga, some, some breath work, some meditation. Mm -hmm. I got really into um, like breath work because of the parasympathetic nervous system. Yep. Um, kind of similar to the Wim Hof or some of those things, but really diving into the, the physical and emotional benefits of that. It's and, key, man. It's key. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's I, a game changer. It is, man. I, I use that all through, you know, buds and my time in the teams. And some as simple as box breathing, four by four breathing is what we called it. Mm -hmm. The game changer, man. I mean, when you're when yeah. you, when you're on the edge or or you're getting ready to do something that's like super super stressful, or you just need to bring yourself down a notch so you can still perform. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how you can control that heart rate and and those thoughts and all that through your breath. I mean, yeah, uh, everybody needs to grasp that. Yeah, for sure. And it's really like I'm always like, okay, this th I believe that this works, but I need to know how. I need to dig yeah. under the surface. And when you look at physiologically what happens in your body, then you can really believe in it um, and understand how it works. So as this process went along, um, and I was going through counseling as well, um, I had been off work for four or five months, and I was still very much at a point to where um, my counselor, she's a she's a Christian as well. She says, well, what's, what's opening up for you? And I'm like, well, I don't know, mm -hmm. <laughs> nothing. And that became a, a frustration for me as well. Make a long story short, as time went on, um, I was like, I'm not going back to work. I'm done with police work. I love not being a cop. This is great. Fantastic. I'm not going back. Mm -hmm. Well, God had other plans for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up, uh, I ended up meeting with our chief 
and uh, going to lunch with him and ended up coming back to work back into my role as a detective. Wow. Um, what, what, what was that conversation like, man? How did that, how did that shift from, from what you just said to now, you know, going back, going back, man, what was the shift there? I had actually, he had reached out to me um, about a month after I was off. Uh, we'd been friends. We'd kind of come up through the department together. Yep. So we knew each other pretty well. He knew that I was dealing with a lot and a lot of my anger was actually at him, right? We, we, we all like to play the victim mentality and I was really good at it. Um, so we had had a very raw conversation prior to this. So I had made contact with him uh, again and he said, hey, let's have some lunch. And I had to meet with, um, you know, when you're in a police department, you have a union in a, a decent sized city, there's a lot of wheels involved. So I had to meet with some city officials and other things about bringing me back to work and mm -hmm. things like that. But that's kind of what that was like. And um, trying to explain this process to other city, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like human resources uh, officials and things like that. Like, listen, I'm not off work because I'm I'm just chilling out at home. Like I'm in a bad spot. <laughs> you ain't been riding so, a desk for the last 18 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, the frustration comes back up. So that was that those that kind of process. And they they agreed. They worked with me well. You know, in hindsight, <laughs> they worked with me pretty well. And I was able to come back to the detective bureau. Um and it was it was pretty crazy. When I came back just to meet with our chief. I had kind of walked the halls for the first time in six months. Now I did a disappearing act just a few months before and a lot of people didn't know where I was and what had happened to me. Mm -hmm. So it was like, Oh man, you know, I saw people peeking around the corners oh, like, I'll Hey, bet, what's, what's going on? Came back to work. And that was what really started this shift. Mm -hmm. um, I was very honest and open with, we have a very young department. Like, hey, man, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I broke. I had my identity in this job. You know, the more special assignments I could dive into, the happier I was. I was getting validation from the boys. I was on the speeding train and I couldn't get off of it. Yep. You know, so then that became now the point where a lot of these younger officers are coming to me pulling me aside. Hey man, I'm, I'm having trouble with this. How did you overcome that? So then as time went on, a buddy of mine in the detective bureau was like, man, you need to build this class. Yeah. We need to build a class and start taking this out to first responders and, uh, and seeing how that works. And that's what we did. Um, well, I one, built a class. One yeah, the, I'm sorry. Before you dig into your class, one of the things yeah. that and I can't wait to hear about it, man. And uh, one of the things that astounded me is you talking about when you walked off the job, you're back at home, you finally make the decision to fix the problems that you're having, mm -hmm. and you have to go on Google. Like, yeah, yeah, it, that is astounding, dude. Yeah, that's a problem. That is a yes. huge problem. Like, yes, there should be, there should be so many programs out there that you as a as a servant of your your country your fellow men your 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 human beings within your community you should have so many options so many places to turn when you need help and they don't 
freaking exist, man. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so fired up about hearing about your class, dude, because you are filling yeah. a gap that yeah. uh, is just, it's a gaping hole and a gaping wound that's got to be filled, man. Yeah. And we have, we have what's called an employee assistance program. And, um, you know, they, they send out a newsletter about, you know, mental health and this and that, and they'll give you, uh, you can go to five visits to a psychiatrist, but that's not the answer to this whatsoever. No, it's got to be real. It's got to be yeah. coming from a guy like you that's that's walked through that freaking furnace of adversity, man. It sounds like yeah. the same stuff the VA offers, dude. The VA, right. it's ridiculous, dude. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I've been I've been to plenty of their plenty of their appointments where you go and sit down with this freaking. Um, I don't. I don't want to be mean. You go sit down with this overweight lady in her in her middle age that's never done anything in her life, and she wants to talk to you about how you how you need to fix your life. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, lady. No, nah, I, I. You know, you can't freaking help me. All you're doing is making mm-hmm. me more angry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the big reasons. Um, it's a. It's kind of a pro and a con for I think first responders because one of the main things I hear from cops, especially about going to a counselor, is that well they're not going to understand me, right? We we build up this wall. They don't do what we do. I don't trust them, and this and that. And I was in the same boat as well. So part of this class is how to choose the right counseling. How to get plugged because in how to get plugged in. There's pros and there's cons. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you find the right counselor, um, that's going to give you an outside perspective because, you know, I'm, I'm not just a police officer. I'm a father and I'm a husband as well. Yep. So I need that whole person squared away. Yep. And um, so that was some of the things on counseling, but um, the employee assistance program, you don't, you know, I, I went to the city hall and kind of laughed at human resources because they said, well, you just walked out and we didn't give you or you didn't take us up on any of our services. And I said, this is a joke. Yeah, this is an absolute joke. Five visits. And you think that's going to fix a cop and put him back on the streets? It's years, and, uh, man. It's years yeah. of, of, of hard work, man. Yeah. 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 So but counseling, counseling can be effective. I believe I truly believe in it. Um, I agree. 100%. On getting plugged in with, yeah. And getting plugged in with the right person. And yeah, then, for sure. And then sticking with it, dude. I mean, sticking yeah. with it. Oh, yeah. You know? I'm still going, and this has been three three years now. Yep. I, I go once a week and check in. That's this is it, what's bro. going on. This is how I'm feeling. So, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So, I, you know, I want I want you to dig in and and tell me about about your class, what what you are teaching um, for for the the hopefully thousands of people that listen to this. And, mm-hmm. and 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 potentially hundreds of of um, active law enforcement officers. What is the stuff that you're teaching? What can you pass along to them if they can't attend your class? Man, just okay. just give us give us the uh, give us the rundown, brother, because I know you got a lot of valuable stuff uh, yeah. packed in there. Yeah. So we when we built the class, and again, this was a tough one to build because I never. I, dude, I couldn't even make a PowerPoint presentation, let alone try to put together all this material, all these thoughts and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, the class essentially starts out with our, our objectives. What are we going to teach you? We're first going to go through and and show you a process of this is how you get here. Like, this is how and why you are the way you are. Mm, gotcha. 
the first five years we call the honeymoon phase through those like we talked about the five to ten year mark you're like man this is it the 10 to 15 year mark you're just done 15 to 25 so we go through each one of these kind of phases mm -hmm. and we we really tell them i tell them my story i kind of open up with my story just to kind of connect with everybody and then i say listen this is why we are the way we are we don't go to birthday parties people don't invite us to dinner our career every day of our job is somebody's worst day it's secondary trauma and so we go through a lot of these and like it's okay not to be okay right and then we kind of kind of take them along a little bit further in the journey of like this is how the brain works you're in this constant fight or flight fight or flight fight or flight well eventually um you're operating in that hyper vigilant state 24 hours a day now how does that physiologically affect you and we go into sleep you know um, drinking drugs suicide all this stuff so really the first part of the class is does this sound familiar this is why you are the way you are you're not sleeping you're working offset shifts you're working overtime you are a new cop and you've now this is your first big job you've bought the new Harley Davidson, the $200,000 house, and now you have to work the overtime to maintain that lifestyle. Very common among first responders. Um, so that whole process is kind of like being able to relate to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And then saying, you, it's you, okay. Do you see a light bulb go off in their heads a lot of time, man? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And when we do the classes live, a lot of like, you know, at the breaks, we take breaks every 50 minutes, man, here they come. Because when you're talking about such a, a touchy subject, such as mental health, you're not getting cops raising their hands during class yeah. and participating. They're just kind of boom. So this is why you are the way you are. This is how your, your brain responds to that trauma, to that hypervigilance. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. And what that looks like over time. Yep. Um, we go all the way to the point of now this lifestyle turns into, you know, you form your groups, you get into negative habits, negative habits, create your identity. Now you're this different person. Now you're starting to break up relationships, personal relationships. So what do you do? You start hanging around cops who do the same thing you do. They have the same lifestyle. Now, instead of going home to your family, you're going out with the boys, tying it on every night that spiral. Um, the second part of the, of the class basically is this is how you begin the healing process. And um, the first, the very first thing is that admitting and accepting. It's that recognition. Once you can do that and get through that, man, I've got some issues or I'm not okay. And you can reach out to somebody. Boom. It's just like I have friends, uh, several friends that have been through alcohol rehab they've been two three four five times and i'm like why did it take five times and they're like well the first time was court appointed the second time i did it because my dad paid for it the fourth time i went because i was ready i had to do it for me mm -hmm. and that's when they're successful when they themselves are finally able to recognize that all right, I'm ready to do this. I've got an alcohol problem. I've got a, you know, with me, it was anger and control. That's very hard to admit. But once you can say, man, I've got anger issues and I've got control issues and I need to start dealing with these. 
once you get through that admittance or admitting and accepting and recognizing it, okay, now what's next? And we just take them through several different tools, mm -hmm. right? Take the yoga, take the breathing, take the sleep. Um, you're probably familiar with Jeff Nichols. Yeah, um, yeah, no, Jeff very well. Yeah. So I use, I use his sleep. He talks a lot about sleep. And, um, when he did a, he did a talk to, I think, uh, some Marines in the Raider project, when he talked about the physiological effects of sleep and the ups and the downs and getting hooked on the sleeping pills. And then, mm -hmm. you know, all that, like, that's exactly what cops do over the course of 10, 15, 20 years. Yep. That's going to break you down mentally as well. So we just start pumping all these tools at them and say, once you can get past the fact that, you know, you can admit that I've got some stuff going on, I need some help. I don't, even if you don't know where to turn to, that's fine. Um, but with me, my personal journey, that rewiring and that changing of the mindset, man, I mean, don't you understand how effective the mind is and your thoughts? That's the game changer. That's the big boy to me. Um, and I, I walk the class through a lot of that. I'll say, hey, everybody, raise your hand real quick. Boom, hand goes up. And I said, you had to have that thought to tell your body to raise your hand in that split second. You know, and I'll walk them through a typical day. Yep. How many of you got up on the same side of the bed, went and turned on the coffee pot, brushed your teeth, took a shower, packed your lunch, drove to work, probably didn't even remember, got to your cubicle, and then realized we're walking around in that feedback loop constantly. Yep. Yep. How do we break that? And how do we, you know, create that new roadway? Yeah. That's literally and figuratively in our brains. So that's powerful, just a ton man. of tools. Yeah, yeah. that's powerful. I, I want to ask you about one of those tools, Aaron, real quick, just us, but just to give an actionable takeaway for somebody listening to this right now. What is uh, Could you walk us through like one of your favorite uh, breathing techniques? Um, because again, I'm a huge believer in that. So what has specifically worked for you? Um, I would say probably uh, something along the lines of Man, if you can find, I would go with Wim Hof. Okay. Uh, what he's one of the, I mean, he's all over on YouTube. His stuff is free. Um, the lady that I have a gal here, she's a family friend. Um, she taught directly under Belisa Vranich out in California. She did a bunch of breathing for UFC fighters and, and things like that. But to really try to explain it is difficult because you got to breathe from the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. So we have to stuff stick our stomachs out and take those deep breaths, but latch onto that Wim Hof. And typically what I'll do is I'll just lay down on a hardwood floor and just knock out that Wim Hof. Um, and what's crazy about that is that I do not look forward to it because it is draining. Um, I did a literal, I did a full like half hour class with, with my friend. She had us in this room and she says, are you ready for this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool, whatever. Dude, when I got done, I was in tears on the floor and I could not get up. That's probably, Just like yeah. those emotions. Yeah. And uh, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I think the guy's last name is Vander Kolk. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, and how trauma is stuck in the body. Um, but the takeaway on the breathing would be I would I would – grab onto Wim Hof stuff. It's almost like that hyperventilating on purpose. Yep. Yep. But man, when you get done with that, dude, you're just like, whew, if you do it properly, man, you're chilled out for a little while. 
That's awesome, brother. And yeah. as far as time of day for that, is that something you would start the day off with, kind of like a, a workout, or is it something you end the day with, or is it something that just comes when you need it? How do you how do you utilize it? Kind of when I need it, like uh, during you know with my schedule now during the day, I'm all over the place. I would say it's effective any time of the day. Okay. Um, you know, you can just knock it out. You probably you know need need some space in a couple minutes, but you know even even if like what what some of the breathing teachers will tell you, even if you can stop for a minute anytime during your day and take that huge breath to where you feel the ribs expand and the belly come out, you know, and I tell the guys at work, do that while you're in your patrol car. Yep. When you're getting ready to go to that hot call, shots fired or man with a gun call, it's that breathe from the belly, let those ribs expand. You can use that anytime any time of the day you really can and that, man and yeah that, that's essentially what that box breathing is that four by four breathing is it mm-hmm. i think it brings you i think it, it makes you present once again because you're having to focus on the breath so it brings you back present and then also with that in breath of four hold four out breath of four hold four it's like you're really filling up um mm-hmm. that you man we don't even that bottom part of our lungs most of the time we're not even using that we, we never we even don't. get any air down there man so, we don't when you feel because up. all our life we've been taught, you know, when I was going through some of these classes, when you get startled, it's mm-hmm. when you go to the doctor and they put a stethoscope, you're wasting three quarters of your lung capacity. Not only that is that the diaphragm, when that's able to move, massages all those other organs down in your, in your body yep. and gets your parasympathetic system chilled out. So that's yeah, it, brother. awesome stuff to that. I love it, man. And so you, your, your students, once you guys go through that second phase and they get they get these tools, the breathing techniques, they get the um the, the information on the sleep, they you know, all the tools that you guys teach them, um I imagine that they that they feel empowered. And uh what's the next step? Is it is it encouraging them to go to their own departments and become the teacher? And is that I mean, where do they go from there, man? So <laughs> When, when the class was built, we just kind of like, all right, this is it. This is the class. We weren't branded. We weren't no websites, none of that stuff. We just, boom, we have a local, uh, foundation. We were actually grant funded. Um, and we got, we were grant funded for about six months and they're like, you guys just send out emails, get as many people to these classes as you can mm-hmm. and go. Mm-hmm. The money runs out in September. So what we did was that we just started kind of an email chain and we, the, the police officers in this class were the smallest population, man. Once we started going word of mouth spread, mm-hmm. we had social workers, doctors, nurses. We went to a psych hospital and trained all their staff. Wow. And so with the little time we had, it was kind of a rush process. And what we did was we just printed off our PowerPoint slides. And then um, just like, here, man, do something. We, we, we copied business cards of counselors. Any, any information that we could leave with them is what we wanted to do because we've been to so much training over the years, and you can go and see some phenomenal training, and they, they tell you a lot of stuff. And you're like, man, that was cool. But then you walk out of there, and you're like, all right, now what? I've been there so, before, brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just – take these tools with you. So now when they left, they had these, this PowerPoint so they could go back and go, all right, here's the YouTube for Jeff Nichols stuff on sleep. 
here's Wim Hof stuff for, you know, the breathing and whatnot. Um, but of course, every once that funding ran out, when you're talking government mm-hmm. budgets, um, the money just wasn't there. So we just kind of, that was it. Um, so other than that, that was kind of, I mean, we still have the class built, but now with COVID this year and everything else, we haven't been able to really teach it or expand where we wanted to. So, man, it, do not stop, brother. Do not yeah, stop, no, please, man, because. No, I'm in the, I'm in the process of working with a, a branding specialist now, and I'm taking this, um, this class and you know, when you're a cop or you're in the military for X amount of years, that's all you know. So now I'm trying to learn because I'll be retired in three years from the department, mm-hmm. building my own brand and and just pumping information out to first responders. Like, yep. here you go, here you go, here you go. You know, so you know, one thing that we ran into here, Aaron, is, um, and I don't know if you could give me some advice on this, man, but we we have our own private range and you know i have i have a lot of knowledge of the tools that you're teaching uh you know and i'm I'm a huge firm believer in them the breathing the spoken word the arousal control self-talk all that stuff man and so we wanted to you know bring a group of officers from our local community or communities Mm -hmm. and just spend the day with them um and it was. It seems like we've had a lot of trouble. I guess getting participation, man. It's it's almost like guys are guys and and, and girls in that in that line of work is. It, I know they're busy. They're super busy. And then I think another thing is exactly what we talked about earlier was um, uh, maybe a little fear of peer pressure or, or fear of kind of stepping in that or into that arena of, of recovery and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I don't, I don't know what else, what else it would be, but I just, I think we have to encourage, I think we have to encourage people to invest in themselves, man. That's what your class is. That's a, that's an investment. Everybody that comes yeah. and takes your class, man, you are literally investing into yourself. There's no better investment on earth that you could possibly make, man. Right, right. You know? Right. And that, that takes a lot of work just to get people, I think, to understand that. Because we make a career and a living in investing and serving other people. That's it, bro. And, yeah, and we don't, we don't think of it that way. I mean, like, I'm real iffy on you know, people like, yo, thank you guys for what you're like. We just do it. Um, just, yeah, never, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, so getting, getting you, that's like a whole shift in mindset to like, all right, we know you like going out and you're pouring into the community and, and the victims and all this other stuff, but yes, putting it that way and saying you have to invest in yourself. I mean, I throw some, some statistics out in these classes. I'm like, bro, the average police officer is dead at like, I want to say 57, 58 years old. We don't make it 10 years out of retirement, Yep. you know, or 228 suicides last year. That's four times more than what were killed in the line of duty. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the key is getting them to understand to kind of flip that switch and saying, man, you need to be around for a while. A hundred percent brother. A hundred percent. So the, Go ahead. The people that you're, the, the folks that you're bringing in, is it for, 
you said the range is for firearm stuff. And well, you know, we kind we kind of wanted to have like a, a a fun range day, man. Not I, yeah. I, I am not a. We built our own range because I like having fun on the range. And when when you're out at a a formal or a public range, it's just like, it's so hard to just have a good time. So, -hmm. you know, we were going to do, we were going to do some fun range stuff. um, And then, and then go into some mindset stuff and, um, you know, just kind of split the day up half and half was kind of my vision for it. And, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to, you know, later on, I want to, I want to get with you and Mm -hmm. see about maybe tying, tying your brand into that and maybe doing something jointly at some point. Um, I think that would be a a powerful day, man, a powerful day and to be be able to build some great content around it and, um, you know, just not only help others, but help build your brand too, because what you're doing is so dang essential, man. Um, it's amazing. I want to talk real quick to Aaron while I got you about, uh, about first of all, family stuff. You mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, you know, that conversation that you had with your wife, how she stuck with you, how she's, uh, um, I, if she's like my wife, she definitely helps me stay accountable and keep acting, you know, get back, get, go get back to base and act the way that I, should be acting and point out the things that, you know, that are messed up. But how, how is it, what's the process like? Well, what was it like for you um, making the, whatever you want to call it, repairs or, or building, bringing your family and your relationship back to the point that it needs to be? And I know there are marriages always, all marriages are always a work in progress. It's never, mm-hmm. it's never just, it's never done and over with. It's just, but what does that process look like to you, man? And what was the most beneficial thing in that yeah, part of the and, journey? And I'll also preface this part of the conversation with, even though I made these extraordinary turnarounds and, and did all this mindset work and all this, trust me, there are still days when I'm questioning you know, like one step forward, two back, especially with everything that's going on. So you're going to have some bad days. There were times through this healing process where I'm like, I'm, you want to quit. You want to give up. I tell people I would rather go back out in the streets and get into the worst physical fight that I could imagine than to be sometimes mentally stuck going through those battles that I went through mentally of just paralysis and not being able to know what your next move is. Yep. So I want to want to make sure that the folks listening understand that too, so that they don't give up. And even this is a lifelong journey, just like the marriage. So with the marriage thing was that when I understood, and this was through counseling, that you're dealing with some anger issues and you're dealing with control. So my counselor says, while you're really big on changing this mindset, why don't you go and work on that? And I live a couple blocks from a park and I'd go up to the park and just go through my process and walk around And then I'm like, okay, I really had to step outside and say, what was my wife seeing? Almost kind of put yourself into her perspective of like, if, if she came home, always pissed off, came home from work, still going a hundred miles an hour. And she, you know, dealt with the children the way that I did. How would I think about that? Mm. You know, really trying to see how you are you know, flipping roles, so to speak, in your relationship. 
Like if my wife came home, it's not in her character, but she came home pissed off all the time and, you know, going a hundred miles an hour and, you know, yanking at the kids and all this other stuff, there'd be some really, I'm like, man, I did some damage. Yeah. So really that was once I, I had to do that self-reflection of like what my attitude was like, what work had, had, had become to me and then sit down and say, man, I'm sorry. I, I was an asshole for many years and I apologize. Boom. Now you're at that starting point yep. moving forward. And again, this marriage stuff, like this was, this was three years ago that I went through this whole process. There's still times, obviously, like anything else, we got to hit the timeout button. And I think in a marriage, as, as close as you can be, as close as we are with our spouses, a lot of times there's stuff that we still hold back, um, whether it's a little grudge, whether it's something, you know, something small, we'll still hold on to it. We just don't want to rock the boat or whatever. Yep. And I'm at a point now where I'm just like, I'm as vulnerable as I can be. You might not like the answer, but I want to be here. And also looking at, I've served the community, I guess is what we call it, right? We serve our community. I got to serve my wife. I've got to serve my family now because they're the ones that stuck with me through this. And so open and honest conversations with your spouse. And I'd say also spouses of first responders need to be just as involved in this process as their significant others because there's an impact on them. They get lost in the shuffle. Yep. You think about what we do, what we see, what we deal with, and then we come home and we dump it on them or you know, we don't and we go off somewhere else. They are affected, I would say, just as much as we are in this job. But it's just that work. you know. Um, if I could teach uh, a two hour class on uh, the five love languages, you solve almost every marriage and family problem on earth, right? My wife is acts of service. If I could serve her with acts of service every single day, there's the cure. My I'm wife, a quality time. My wife's the same thing, brother. Yeah. <laughs> acts of service, yep. Yeah, I'm a quality time. Come and hang out with me. So now that's another thing is that we have two conflicting love languages. So you have to be very intentional in saying, all right, We'll do movie night Friday. I'm going to get up and hang out with her in the kitchen because she's out there working for the family and doing all this other stuff. So again, it's that work in process with the marriage. Yeah. Um, just don't quit. Good days, bad days. It's like, uh, it's like you know, if she stuck with me this long, it's worth. You just got to get in the dirt and fight for your marriage, fight for your family. That's it, bro. We just quit too too easily on stuff. Now. <laughs> Isn't that the essential ingredient? It is to it's just tough. to not quit. It's that is the essential ingredient, man. Because yeah. you can. I'm sorry, but it's a it's a law of nature. You can't stay on the summit all the time. You got to have you got to have you got to get into the valley and, like you mm -hmm. said, get into the dirt to uh, reach whatever the next summit is, man. It's a law of nature. And yeah, anytime I teach, that's what I tell everybody. It's like with marriage, with business, with, um, ultra running with your career that if you can't make the promise to yourself that you will never quit, then none of the other tools work. You right. have to first make the promise to yourself that I will never quit. Yes. And, and once you can get that through your freaking head, man, it's, uh, 
you are you're on the path then man you know yeah and it's such a simple statement but yet it's so brutal in its application it really that's is. all you got to do you just don't quit you're good you know and go back to that go back to that go back to that and i think uh the more that you can feed yourself that again um you know part of that rewiring process man just keep feeding it yep 100 percent, brother well to tie all this together aaron i want you to just give us a rundown um on the the three main points here that that we've been talking about the whole time but just give us the synopsis recognize rewire re-engage yep. give me the absolutely. synopsis of all three of those please so people can yes know how to follow that absolutely so the recognize is just what it sounds like um if you're going through stuff you have to first recognize and part of that recognizing is that admitting and accepting you know if you don't think that you have a problem um ask a loved one ask a buddy or whatever but until the very first step is recognizing man i'm i'm burned out i'm tired of this I am just sick of this career. Whatever that is to you specifically, recognize that and then admit it. Like, okay, this is cool. It's okay to not be okay, yep. right? Um, the next step is that I'm a big believer in the mind. Once you begin and really learn that rewire process um, and start changing that perspective, those thoughts, that mindset, when we talk about you say don't quit, if you just don't quit, and everything else is going to fall in place. If you can just get that mindset squared away, that's the first step. Yep. Your mind is the driver to everything you do. So once you can learn that rewire process, um, um, and there's just Google rewiring your thoughts, man, there's a, a million things out there. But the application of that is crucial. Yep. And I'm going to tell your listeners that that is not a simple process because your mind wanders, your thoughts wander, you have doubt, you want to give up, just don't quit and that will eventually take hold once you get that rewiring down the re-engage part i would say is that now once you get the mind on the right path start using all these other tools the sleep the breathing the proper food supplementation counseling yoga now re-engage we want to re-engage our life in a different way now we want to re-engage with new habits with a new mindset with a new perspective with a new attitude um, so when I come back to work now, there's a lot of things that I do different. I see all this stuff going on at work, this bickering and a lot of stuff going on. And now, man, I'm able to recognize that and just be like, boom, I'll make a joke of it. Yep. It's not my job. That's above my paycheck, whatever, and walk away. So now I'm able to re-engage not only work, but my family with a whole different attitude and a mindset. And during this whole process, there are times and there are going to be days when you go out of bounds. You know, you're going to feel like crap. You're going to feel like this isn't working. Yep. Stay the path because this stuff does work. I guarantee it. I'm honestly here today to tell you that it works. Yes. Yes, you you are. You are. Aaron, I would agree with that 100%, man. And you talked about that re-engage process. And once you get to that re-engage process, you, you're exactly right. It's amazing how you become hyper aware of um of that of the bickering of the of the changes that can be made within uh your your work environment or whatever the battlefield is that's one thing that i can really resonate with and from an ultra running standpoint this race we did last weekend you know i, uh, I saw that too by the way congratulations i appreciate it brother yes <laughs> that looked brutal yeah it was a it was a heck of a battle but you talk about how you're hyper aware of those conversations and that negativity at work and 
I'm the same way out, out on the race course. It's like, um, you know, since since I have re I have rewired my brain and I'm now in that reengage um, process and and journey. Man, when somebody when somebody goes negative out there on the race course or even says something as simple as, oh, you know, this this oh man, I'm just wore out or my my knees, you know, hurt. I'm like, I hone in on that. I'm mm-hmm. like, boom, like that is wrong. Like, yeah, don't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it's crazy how hyper aware of it you become uh, once you get in there and you know reengage something that really stands out in that word to me and this may not be part of your philosophy but i think it's worth throwing in there for me uh from from my perspective is um also re-engage your your brothers and sisters that are out there that don't have the tools that you now possess so when you go through aaron's class or um you you go through one of my classes the basic course or something like that you have all of these tools and that is a responsibility. Now, you, you are now responsible to engage people in your community, in your circle, in, anywhere you possibly can, and pass those tools along to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the only way that you will ever become the master of these tools that you've learned right. during that rewiring process because what happens is when you engage your brother or your sister that's in a bad spot, you pass these tools along to them, you coach them through the process, you teach them, they go out and use them, and the tools work for them mm-hmm. the same way right. they worked for you. Guess yes. what that does? Your faith in those tools and your knowledge of how to use those tools, it goes up a notch. Every yeah. time you teach it to another person and you see it work in their lives, it goes up a notch. It goes up a notch. Why do you think I'm so adamant about the power of the spoken word and mm-hmm. and all of this? It's because I've got I've got over a thousand messages of people saying I've doubled my PR. I've changed. This has changed my life. The simple concept has changed my life. Well, every time I get one of those testimonies. I'm like, okay, this works, this works, this works, and and to the point that it just becomes a part of, part of your being, and there's no turning back because you're you built your faith so high in these yeah. tools. You know, I think that's yeah. so important. Important, and maybe that can be a part of that reengage process for some people as they go through um, that recognize, rewire, and then reengage. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about reengaging and reengaging your coworkers, man. Um, keep at them because we, and I did the exact same thing. People would come up to me, Hey man, how you doing? I'm fine. That's all the answer we give. No, you know, I would get, we, I, um, we built a peer support group at work and, uh, you know, obviously confidentiality and things like that, but we would get word that somebody was struggling and we'd go up to them and, and, uh, Hey, how's things going? Oh, I'm good. And I, you got to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. No, you're not. I know you're not. Come on, man. You know, let them know that you're truly interested in their well-being. Um, because we say that to people all the time. How you doing? How you doing? Just in passing. Well, that doesn't mean anything to us. So if you're offering help to somebody else, keep re-engaging them, especially if you are pretty certain that there's something going on in their life. 
you know, it takes, it takes somebody several times to respond to whatever it is, right? Five to seven times to respond to the gospel. It takes five or seven positive engagements before somebody buys your product. Same thing here. Keep re-engaging them so that they can finally know that you have a vested interest in them. And then you'll start to see that shell kind of, kind of fade away from them. That's so important. Don't just, don't just check the box. Don't do yes. like, all right, yes. I asked that dude if he was all right. He said he was good. All right, he must be good. Yeah. Yeah, no way. No way. Agreed. 100%, they are not. Brother. Yep. Um, all right, Aaron. I want to, for everyone that's listening, I want to know what is your vision? What is your mission now moving forward? You talked about building that brand. Yes. Um, I want to, I want to hear about that, how people can, can help, how people can follow, how people can participate, all, all that good stuff, man. Give us the rundown. Yeah. So just working on the brand, my mission now is that um, I'm building this brand. I used to do the civilian firearms and the civilian women's self-defense. And that was, I was on the whole tactical side of the house. And uh, now my mission is like when I talked to my my branding guy a couple of weeks ago, he's building a logo for me. And I said, I don't know what to call this thing, man. I said, you know, I've, God's done such a 180 in my life and it's had such an impact. And he goes, hey, the 180 impact. And I said, all right, cool. Draw me up a logo. That is cool, man. But my my mission now is just is just that, man, to take this not story of like, look what I've done, but to take my story to connect with people. Once I connect, I want to make that connection and just say, hey, here's some tools, here's this, um, whatever resources they need so that we can, I'm tired of the break the stigma quote. Mm -hmm. We need to really understand what that means. And that is engaging our culture, first responders and saying, hey, I was busted up too. I was really at the highest point I could, I had accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish it as far as being a police officer, which was my lifelong dream. Mm -hmm. And I still broke, I had seemingly everything. And so now I want to take that story, connect with folks who are broken, but they don't have to get to the point that I went to, to where, man, I'm out of here. Let's catch that earlier. Let's, let's throw some, plug some programs in for you whatever that may be, and get you healed up so that you can now recognize what's going on and just stay on the path. Now, do you so see, do you, Aaron, do you see this as, as almost like a, a developing in, like as far as your vision goes, do you see it developing into almost like a nationwide thing where you're, you're almost like a mobile training team and then also having online resources or at, when this comes when, when it like, what is your vision as far as that goes, man? My vision as far as that goes would be to build this brand up and um, kind of, uh, again, I'm learning this whole process as we speak. Um, I'd like to go around and train. Yeah. I'd go to departments or go to fire stations or go to wherever. And, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You just have to know what tools to use and apply them. Um, and, and go around and take this to, you know, wherever God leads it, you know, it's in his hands. Um, if that's around the state, that's cool. If it's around the nation, even greater. Yep. Um, you know, I've got, I'd like to write a book about it. I'd like to do all these little things. To me, that would be fun, right? Um, police work is work now. This is my heart's desire to take this message and to take these tools to other people. Um, yeah, I'd like to develop a, a web page and give pe- be able to give people online 
resources. I'd like to create a YouTube page and um, start giving out free content. You know, hey, five ways to get a good night's sleep, five ways to, you know, settle your parasympathetic nervous system, just stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, or wherever, wherever it goes, it goes. Uh, That's that- my... I love that man, and all that is all, all that would be freaking awesome, dude. And yeah. um, all of those ideas. One thing, if you'll if you'll do me a favor, mm-hmm. next time you do an interview, if it's soon, and all those things haven't came to fruition yet, say instead of saying I'd like to, say I am, because I yeah. want to see this happen. <laughs> I should have known that. I yeah. really want to see this happen. And and there again, that's me just being hyper aware. It's no, like, I got you. You know, I like because that. all of those things that you just named need to happen, and they need to happen yeah. now. Yeah, you know the, that the book, the YouTube channel, the mobile training team that needs to happen now. You right. know, or right, as soon as possible. And I believe that yeah. you're going to do it because I can hear the passion in your voice. Yeah. I can see that. I can see the the knowledge that you possess. You've been through the furnace of adversity. Um, you're in a place now where this is this is your passion. This is your purpose. And uh, there's no reason to say anything other than I am because I know you're going to do it, brother. I know. Yeah, I, appreciate I, it. I, I know you are, man. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard you make references to um, to God and, and your spiritual side throughout this mm-hmm. interview. And I feel like this, this whole interview has been part of or, or uh, a portion of, of your testimony. Um, but I just want to dig in real quick, man, to this, the spiritual side, because, yes. you know, we talked a lot about body. We talked a lot about soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And um, talk about how uh, your connection with God has has been or what, what has it been um, throughout this process, too. I just want to give you a chance to share that, brother. Yeah, for sure. So I've been a believer for quite some time. Uh, since early 20s, uh, married married a, uh, at a young age. So I always had that, that walk. Um, when you, if you don't really maintain that, the world and that environment of police work and what we see in society will pull you away. You'll start, you'll start getting ingrained in the culture um, and you'll start looking at the rest of the world. So I wrestled back and forth a lot with my spiritual walk um, throughout my career. And when I got to this point of, you know, I, that's obviously why I probably never pulled the trigger on my own handgun. Mm-hmm. I'll credit that to my, my savior Christ. Um, it's kind of rough to talk about. Yeah. When I started going through the mindset stuff, um, I was reading, I, I needed something because if you talk about mind and neuroplasticity, you can really get into a lot of Eastern philosophies and all this. We are one with the universe stuff. And I'm like, man, I understand the science, but I'm not going, I'm not going there to the Eastern philosophy and being one with the universe. I'm a Christian. I'm going to maintain that. When I started seeing that this mindset stuff is science is now just now catching up with what God has been saying all along. Ain't that the truth, brother? Right. You know, Bring your thoughts into captivity. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So we're fighting this invisible force that we can't see. And it's with a mindset. Let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. So part of this healing process was writing those scriptures out. 
you know, my main one was when you're going through neuroplasticity, they call like an act of reach or, or you physically say something is like, create in me a clean heart, oh God, renew a steadfast spirit in me. I would just repeat that, repeat that. So that faith part and learning that our mind was created by God, we just need to keep our mind in line with what God says. Yep. And so then understanding those scriptures and then going back to like, well, look at Peter. Peter was a big mouth. He was kind of brash, but... Peter gave it a shot. He's very bold. Look at David. David, you know, so I started like all these character flaws in me. I'm just like, all right, these other guys in the Bible went through some of these struggles as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was another big part, but, um, that, that faith was always there, but man, it's that in and of itself is something that I would say, if you are a person of faith uh, and an absolute accountability partner is huge. Somebody that you can go to and say, man, I want to do this website. I want to do this stuff, but I just don't know if it's what God wants me to do. God is sovereign. You know, you start wrestling with that mm -hmm. as well. But um, having the faith, man, I I never had to struggle with a drug addiction. I never had to struggle with an alcohol addiction. Um, and I credit that to my walk with Christ. I, am. I honestly don't know how other people do it without that hope. And without looking into, right, then what's the point? What's the point of all this? So Agreed. I'm always trying to keep that in the back of my mind. And uh, that that's that's my faith component and all that. And, um, you know, my walk has is, is not been an easy one. And it gets messy at times. But I always look back to the scriptures and say, man, these dudes that walk with Jesus, they, they were a mess too. Keep fighting. Keep fighting the good faith, right? Um, and that's that's just it. Everything that we need is right there in those scriptures. We just have to mm. look at it and apply it. Uh, that is that is so true, man. And I'd say I'd say just about every single one of the tools that I use are written in the Bible. They're thousands of years old. We've mm. we've lost them in today's society. We've lost not only the knowledge of them, but the application of them. You can't argue with the principles that are in the Bible. You know, you talk about the spoken word, for one. The Bible says we can make a large horse go uh, whichever way we want by means of a little bitty bit in its mouth how, and, and how that, that tongue is the rudder of your life and how it can literally steer the direction of your life and the outcomes of your situations. Mm -hmm. That's a th that's that principles thousands of years old, man. And <laughs> right. it's it's always funny, man, when I go and I don't want to say funny, it's always astounding when I go even and share those concepts with a Christian audience and it's like a dang revelation to them, like, holy smokes, you know, and I'm like, Have you not been have you not been reading this book that I read? You know, it's uh I'm been so around for a minute. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> thankful for God's word, man. And yeah. uh, it's a big, big part of, of uh, I think a big thing in in my walk with God is the same, the same that you just said. A big part of my faith is looking at God's word, looking at the truth that is in God's word, and um, that strengthens my faith daily. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. just the simple text and the truth that is within that text. Yeah, um, strengthens my faith daily, man, and. Me and Nathan had that. Me and my buddy Nathan Hicks had that conversation just yesterday, where we talked about 
how do people do this life without him? How do people do this life without him? I just, oh my gosh, I can't imagine it, brother. Yeah. Well, again, you walk into alcohol addiction affairs, a destructive lifestyle. You know, even these past couple of weeks with, with everything else that's going on, you know, I'm really attuned to turning off the news and, and some of that other stuff. Being at the police department, we have to be very aware of what's going on in our society. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here going, how is this going on? And it's really made me lean into my faith even more to say, I mean, I don't know, but God saw this coming. He knows. He knows what's going to happen. And we don't have to suffer his wrath. So, hey, man, just sit back and chill out. God has it under control. But that reaffirming and that reassurance is without it, dude, I'd be a mess. I agree, brother. I agree 100%. (laughs) I I use that all the time. I've had, I've had, you know, people ask me quite a bit throughout the last few months of my entrepreneurship journey, you know, in the very beginning people, and, and even now people say, what's your vision for it? What's your five-year plan? And I'm just like, I don't have a five-year plan. It's literally God has made things effortless for me in a, in a sense of, in a sense of um, him showing me the way now i have to take initiative i have Mm -hmm. to take the time i have to i have to schedule this podcast with you i have to take the time i have to take the initiative to capitalize or or to utilize the opportunities that he set before me right but man when you when you can genuinely turn it over to him i don't have a five-year plan i'm gonna i'm gonna follow him just like you said with your branding uh, with your, with, um, with, it was 180, what, what the 180 impact, 180 impact with 180 impact. It's like, you don't have to have the next five years planned out exactly right when you've put it in God's hands and you know that you're going to take initiative and take the opportunities that he puts in front of you. That's, that's the best dang plan you can have from this point well, forward, kidding. brother. Takes a lot of stress off you, doesn't it? It, it really <laughs> does, man. And then for sure. Know, and the the reality of it is, in my life, anyways, I've learned that if I try to make, if I try to make my own plan and set my own expectations, I will actually limit my potential because I serve a God that can exceed what okay. my little simple human mind could ever have could ever even dream of man right you know yeah so absolutely i love it man i love it well um aaron last thing where can people find you and follow you brother um i just got this logo done Mm -hmm. uh probably facebook i do have the page started but i haven't done anything on it on facebook the 180 impact um that'll be on facebook and instagram I still don't have a website yet, so I gotta, you know, obviously, um, time is money. I'm like, I had no idea building just a brand to get information out would cost as much money. So, as as I can, uh, the 180 impact on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, other other than that, my, you know, I would say anybody in your audience that uh, that needs to reach out. You know, um, I've done a couple life coaching certifications just so that when I'm prepared to bring this information forward, I can give folks some clarity. Um, You know, email me, uh, my personal email, I'll just put it out there. 
you know, I'm that I'm that passionate about helping our helping our people out. So my personal email is uh, A as in Adam, E as in Edward, S as in Smith, the number 272 at gmail.com. So AESmith272 at gmail.com. You know, if you're uh, if you're needing to talk to somebody or, you know, want to hear anything about what I could help you out with, man, have them have them reach out. It's my personal email. So if you if you do get a hold of me there, it might take me a minute to get back to you. I have a full-time job and a family, but I'm passionate enough to to throw my personal information out there so that people can can reach out. That's awesome, brother. I love it. And uh I want you to if you if you feel led to or if you ever need to, I want you to connect with a good friend of mine named Adam Davis. Uh, okay. on, uh, yeah, he's on Instagram. He's also on Facebook. He's written, written a very powerful book called uh, bulletproof marriage. And, um, Oh, and, I think, uh, he was on, uh, team never quit. Yeah. Podcast. He, he was on TNQ. He's, Southern guy. Yeah. He's been here okay. on a uh, three or seven podcast, but Adam builds a, uh, a really, really awesome website. He's so a lot of people don't know it, but he can, he designs okay. websites on the side and um, I want you just connect with him. I, th- I think okay. that you guys can combine resources. You have a very, uh, you have a very similar mission. You know, Adam's former law enforcement. He has a big heart uh, for his brothers and sisters in law enforcement. So, yeah, please, man, when you get a chance, reach out to Adam. And will, then for, sure. um, for the listeners, you guys just heard how generous Aaron is. Um, he's put out his personal information. I think that's a testament to how passionate he is about what he does. Um, Aaron, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray a blessing over 180 Impact and over your life real quick, brother. Absolutely. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've shared here together as brothers. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless Aaron, that you'd bless his family, that you'd bless his relationships, and that you would bless his mission 180 impact father we we name it right now we name it 180 impact we name it we pray your blessings over it we thank you for giving Aaron this mission for loving him father I pray that you would give him wisdom understanding that you would give him knowledge that you would give him opportunity and that you'd put the people in his life that he needs in order to serve you to the maximum father We bless your name. We thank you for dying for us. And Lord Jesus, we pray all of these things in your mighty name. We stand upon your word. We believe in your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brother, powerful conversation. Thank you so much, much. my man. And uh, I can't wait to see where everything goes, where God takes it. And, um, if there's anything we can ever do with you, for you, or uh, need need to discuss something, just hit me up, brother. All right. I will do so. I appreciate you so much and everything you're doing as well, man. All right, Aaron. I love you, brother. Right. Thank you. Love you, man. Take care of yourself. All right, brother. You too. This is the 3 of 7 Podcast. Enough said.